It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada, Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the new and pre-owned Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. And a car finance specialist on-site to arrange a finance package that suits your budget. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to a brand new week of Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Hope you had a lovely weekend. Isn't the weather shocking? I'll tell you more about that later. I was out in Sheelan fishing on Saturday. Oh, it was like the beginning of April rather than the end of May, I have to say. Freezing, it's hailstones. As I just had a look out in the way in there, hailstones falling. But the good news is, I give you good news, at the start of the week, the weather will get better as the week goes on. Thank God for it. We could do it. It's six weeks of Terrible stuff indeed. Anyway, we have a great lineup for you on Late Lunch today. And it really all is about passion on the show. Because later on, Chris Gale is uh, joining me on the show. He's a guy who I spoke to a little while ago. He wrote a brilliant book. Uh, he really did about making a fortune and losing it. But he was inspired. His passion in life came from Barney Curley. The late Barney Curley who passed away yesterday. Patrick Riley. Local man, living and working in Sweden for years, passionate about his work, passionate about his new homeland, talking to us again about the situation there at the moment. Uh, they're a bit of an outlier when it comes to COVID, as you know. Patrick with us about 2.30. Ollie Clark is here. He's a massive Bob Dylan fan. He has been all his life. And of course, it is Dylan's birthday today. We'll be having a chat with Ollie. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp me here to studio. That's 086-1800-658 or 1850 if you'd like to call in. But to begin the week and the show today, Louise, are you with me? Yes, we're ready to go to, on today's show. We're going to begin with something that happened on Friday night last. Let's have a listen to this. And now we have a free kick for Drogheda on the edge of the box, just inside the D. And this is surely, surely the last chance of the game, the last kick of the game I would say Dane Massey's standing over it and the referee's going to have to let them take the free kick of course as well we've got almost 50 minutes played in the second half Massey's over it Markey's over it can they do it here Drogheda what a way this would be to win it who's going to take it we've got the draft excluder Massey comes up and it's in would you believe that absolutely incredible Dane Massey has put it in off the crossbar in what has to be the last act of this game. Absolutely unbelievable. We were talking earlier on about how late goals have been so common in this season, and we've had one again. I cannot believe that. I really can't. 
Yes, our very own David Sheehan there describing the action in Bally Buffet into injury time there and draw the score to uh, make it three wins in a row in the Premier League. And my God, for a promoted side, they're really surprising everybody this year. Well, when that goal was scored, as you can imagine, Massey and all the players raced to the draw the dugout and there was a massive celebration. And we copped this little guy joining in the celebrations and everybody wondered... Who is he? What is he doing there? Well, I can tell you. His name is Alex Conroy and he's a member of the Drogheda United social media team. He's 12 years of age and he's with me today. Hello, Alex. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How is yourself? Well, 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 young man. You've seen the reaction, haven't you, to this? Yeah. What do you feel about it? Yeah, I watched it back and I don't know why. I shouldn't have ran onto the pitch, but I don't know. I just looked over and the next minute I was just on the pitch. It was mad. <laughs> it was. It was mad. And it, it, do you laugh when you look at yourself? You, they're all huge, big guys. And there you were, yeah. this little fella. And I was tiny. Yeah, <laughs> you're tiny. And, and you, had, you had the phone as well. You were trying to capture the images, were you? Yeah. 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 You know it's gone mad and everybody loves it. Yeah, that yeah, must. I've seen what? loads of things are up on Twitter and Facebook. I've seen yes, uh, loads of things. Yeah, on Twitter yeah. and Facebook. You know, uh, it's great to see it all over the place. So it is. It really is. Tell us about you. You are a member of the Drogheda United social media team. You're only twelve years of age. How did this happen? Yeah. How did this happen? So I have a a fan page on Instagram as well as doing the media, and so I don't. I started that. Uh, at the end of the 2019 season and I have nearly 900 followers on it so um, when like the lockdowns after the lockdown when games were allowed to happen again when no fans were allowed I asked Connor uh, would I be able to go to the games because a few of my followers um, were asking can I do reports on the games and stuff so he brought me in as part of the media team so that's how it all started and I've just been going to the games <laughs> This is a wonderful story and congratulations to Connor Hoy and everybody at Drogheda United to bring you in as, as as a young lad who's a passion for the club to, to get involved. It must be special to be in there and part of it, is it, Alex? Yeah, it's really good. It's special. So. How close are you to Tim and uh, to Kevin and the players? Yeah, I talk to them a lot because I do interviews with some of them after their games, so... Uh, I talk to them after the games and stuff. So, yeah, they know me a good bit now, I think. <laughs> yeah, they do. I know they know you. They certainly know you well. So, I'm curious, when did your interest or how did your interest in Drogheda United begin and how long are you following them? Um, I'm following them about six years now because my team went to one of the matches in 2015 against Shamrock Rovers. And we got to like give the players a guard of honour before the game and we get got to play a match on the pitch at half time. So I just asked my dad to bring me to the games since then and I've just became a big fan. So you were six, you're following Drada since you were six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and those little mini games, I have to mention a man when you're on with me here today. He's simply brilliant. Paul Holland was it organised yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. 
Ah, he's a great man, Paul, and I know it hasn't been possible since the lockdown, but he brought so many children and little teams from round the northeast to United Park. I, I've seen it on many occasions myself, and it's great. And here you are now involved with the club yourself. Um, what's involved? What, what do you do? You mentioned they're interviewing players. What else are you looking out for? I suppose footage from Friday night, that celebration. What's your role with the team? Um, I just like to report on the match. So uh, if people don't, if people aren't watching the matches, I do put it up on my story, like what's happening, and I do try to take videos of as much as I can and put it up. Mm. So you're there, line. you're there to bring match reports, put videos, all that type of stuff, all that goes along yeah. with social media. And what's your preferred platforms? Where do you operate? Operate is it Instagram? Uh, mostly on Instagram, and I do a bit on Facebook as well with another page. They're called Drugs News and Talk. There's a few people on that, and I do a bit with them as well. I heard that actually you mentioned the numbers you have uh, following you at 12 years of age you, you, you're you uh, generating I hear a whole new fan club for Drawn you know I hear there's people dying to go young lads like yourself because of you dying to go to the games when we're all allowed back again yeah definitely uh, I think a lot of new people have started following League of Ireland uh, since the lockdown so uh, if the all the pages that are like promoting it is helping it really so Mm. It's good to have more, even more fans following the league. Yeah, so this is right across the league, not just Drogheda. You know, all the other yeah. clubs as well are, are seeing an upsurge. Isn't that great to hear? I'm really heartened by that, I have to say. Tell me about yourself. You play ball. Who do you play with? Uh, I play for Laytown United. They're playing the NDSL league. We're under 13s. Good man. And where do you play on the field? In midfield. All right. Yeah. Centre. Are you a ball winner? Are you a good distributor? How would you describe yourself? Uh, I'm probably best at passing because I'm small enough so I'm, I wouldn't be like winning headers or anything like that but I'd, I'd be good at passing and dribbling I'd say Good stuff and uh, you love obviously uh, playing the game as well Now in, in, you love Drogheda you are uh, a player with Leighton United I, I'm curious do you follow anyone in England in the Premier League? Uh, yeah I follow Liverpool ah. uh, I used to yeah, I watch a good bit. I watch most of their games, mm. but I prefer Drogheda over them. You can't beat, can you, your local club and being able to go to the games. It's lovely following from afar. I follow Arsenal. Say a prayer for me, will yeah. you? Yeah, say, say, just help me. <laughs> help me, please, Alex, this year. But anyway, I follow them from afar as well. But there's nothing to beat. Real people, real football, is there? Yeah. No, it's the nah, best. there's nothing to top it at all. Anyway, well done to you and your Liverpool following from afar. They qualified for the Champions yeah. League. They'll be a uh, very yeah. Very... I watched the game yesterday. It was yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Now the, the back to the to the uh, draw thing. Are you surprised? You know, they they won the first division last year's champions. They were knocking on the door for a few years. Are you surprised the way they're playing this year and that they're doing so well? Uh, when I seen the signings that they brought in, I. I knew that we weren't going to be anywhere near a relegation, but I didn't think uh, that we'd have as good a start to the season as this. I thought we'd be around sixth or seventh, but uh, like just about losing to Rovers, beating Pats 3-1, beating Longford 4-0. We've had some really good results mm. against Finn Harps the other night. So, no, yeah, I am surprised of how good we're doing. Mm. And what do you think for the season? I suppose the priority for uh, everyone is to make sure to stay up. I think everybody said that at the beginning of the year. Are you confident they'll do that at this stage? Yeah, I think we'll 100% stay up and then maybe even top five finish or top six finish and then just build on it for next year. 
and well, try get higher next year and keep going, but get yeah. more players in. Yeah, good man yourself. In terms of your time following the club, and you're sure you're a veteran now at 12 after six years. <laughs> <laughs> who's your favourite? Who's your favourite? I'm putting you on the spot now. If you were to pick from the teams you've watched and the current team, if you were to pick a player, can you pick one that you say, ah, oh, you know, he's they're all great, I know, but could you say one? For the best or my favourite? Well, let's. I'll give you two. I'll say the best and the favourite. Go on, pick. You can have two picks. The best player was uh, Sean Thornton. The two years that I watched him, he was really good. Or else, um, Mark Doyle was has been really good the last two or three seasons. And this season, Dane Massey and Gary, De- Gary Deegan have been really, really good, I think. And they've only been here a couple of games. Yeah, so there you are. You even got four out of me. I was allowing you two and, and you doubled. And Sean Brennan as well, really. <laughs> We're at five now. Yeah, Sean, yeah, of course. Yeah, so he's still would. Yeah, uh, But no. Sean Brennan was probably my favourite player. Ah, there you go. Sean, number one. You'll be delighted to hear that. You'll have a free haircut. I can, I promise you that when he <laughs> hears that you, you said he's yeah. his favourite. We wish him well. He's gone, of course, to pastures new. Um, yeah. What, what do you think of the league overall this year, Rovers? Dundalk beat them on uh, Friday, first defeat in 30-odd games. Uh, they're still top of the table. What do you think for the title when you look above Drogheda there? Who do you think will win it? I still think Rovers will win it, but I think Sligo could uh, have an alright chance of winning it, or Pats, one of them, mm. uh, could be knocking on the door of Rovers. Yeah, OK, interesting. Uh, and tonight, just a, a big another big game. The games are flying now. There's three quick games, Harps on Friday, Longford at home tonight, and then Derry City. This is a big game tonight, isn't it, against Longford? If Drogheda were to win, there'd be a huge gap between themselves and Longford. Yeah, Longford are, uh, I think we're six points clear at the moment, six or seven So of Longford. So, yeah, it's a really big game. If Longford win, then they can close the gap and get higher. But if we win, then it's a huge result for us. So, What are you thinking? Uh, I think 3-1 to draw that. Oh, you're confident for the team. Are you, yeah. going up? are you going up? Yeah, I'm going. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so you're part of the team. I know that. And you have everything yeah. in order to go to the games. And that is as well. Um, look, when we saw you, honest to God, it, it did so many people's hearts good. You know the joy that you've brought to so many people and the happiness with Friday? Yeah, it was. I, it's, I shouldn't have ran onto the pitch. I know that. I don't know why I did, but it was just mad. Uh, it was, when I watched the video back, it's just... Yeah. I love it, it's really good. Now the video is there now folks, if you're listening to us on Late Launch, it's on LMFM Twitter, you can go in there at this minute, click it and see what we're talking about, you'll see this guy, Alex yeah. Conroy, as he's out uh, on the periphery of the celebrations trying to get into the middle of it. I understand passion, young fella, I understand it Alex, yeah. I've been you in the past and I don't yeah. re- ever regret it for one moment because it just, yeah. something wells up on you, doesn't it? And you want to be there, it's as simple as that, yeah. it is as simple yeah. as that any rumour Louise is looking at you see I can't see you on the Zoom Louise is looking and says you have a big smile and you're wearing your Drogheda United kit as you're speaking to me yeah oh, I'm wearing listen. the jersey good man just say yes or no to this I heard another little rumour a birdie told me do you sleep in the tracksuit <laughs> no. All right, that's okay. That's okay. That's only a rumor. He doesn't. He doesn't. Please don't forget about that. I, 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 I just thought I'd just throw it in there for a moment, just in case. Anyway, Drogheda are uh, going places by the looks of things, the way they're playing, and you know to have yourself. And there's other guys, isn't there? There's other young guys involved in the social media with yourself. Yeah. 
Luke McQuillan is involved in it as well. And Lewis, they're both only young. Luke's only, I think, 15 or 16. And Lewis is only young as well. I think he's 21. Or, mm. So it's all young. Buddy. Yeah, all young guys in, involved with the club and uh, putting the message And Dylan out there. Farrell as well. Oh, There's yeah. another person. He's really young as well. I what? think he's in his... I forget, forget what age he is, but he's young as well. <laughs> you're, all, you're a real young, new, enthusiastic team who love yeah. the drugs and the claret and blue and all that goes with it. Well, listen, you yep. did us a power of good. I say it again. You did all our hearts good, so you did. And great result. And Dane Massey, oh, what a goal it was to win. It's nothing like uh, a late winner to actually sell, send everybody wild. And you were part of that. And that will be there forever. You'll be able to look back, Alex, in years to come and say, that was me, that little fella there. And then you'll be <laughs> as big as the rest of them in the middle of it all. Keep on doing what you're doing. You're wonderful. And I say again, congratulations to all the young team on social media at Trahody United and to the wonderful chairman, Connor High, and all the guys involved in the running of the club now. They're great, great people. They're solid people. Look, tonight, good luck against Longford Town and for the rest of the season. Alex, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye, bye-bye. What a great young man he is. Look at it, folks. It's on Twitter. The link's there, LMFM Twitter, till you see what we're talking about. Wasn't he lovely, Louise? Oh, he was absolutely terrific. I could see him, you couldn't, but he was just beaming from ear to Mm, ear. mm, 12 years of age. Oh, lovely. Great little fella, and it's great to see those young people, you know, being so interested and involved. It it really is uh, wonderful. And when he said he was six, I kind of thought, because you were a big Drawdy United supporter, so what age were you when you started supporting the club round about the same age oh. as him yeah oh. back in the late 60s I was probably about 8 right. when I went first Johnny Clutterbuck my great neighbour lovely man lovely man brought us we used to call it they played in the Lourdes Stadium we used to call it the Stadium <laughs> as kids we're going to the Stadium Johnny was marking the pitch the day before the first game I went to see they played Drumcondra a club who are no longer in the league a very famous old club I can remember it that first day they were in all blue and that was my first game and I was hooked. I was like that little lad there. remember that. Yeah, I was hooked. I went there for the first day and I followed them ever since through thin and thin and thin. <laughs> and we had a little tick in the time as well. Oh yes, great memories. But your club is your club and that little fella, Alex, will be the same and the others. You know, it'll always be theirs. And he's so right. English football is great and I follow Arsenal from afar. But honest to God, it's like the county in the GA. Your club, your county in the GA. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your club, and this is what the League of Ireland clubs have struggled with, to integrate and be part of the communities. It's just nothing beats going to your own town playing and, you know, out there on the field and all that type of thing. It's just, it, it's what everybody really should be following here at home, following our own and uh, enjoy the other from afar, but really follow uh, the local clubs. Louise, you're looking great. She got oh, the I? hair done. She got the hair done on Saturday. I haven't brushed it since. Oh, don't touch it. It's no. I, how long was it? When was, walking. The, when was the last time? Uh, it was 153 days. Not, <laughs> not that I was counting. Oh, you were. <laughs> yes, you were counting. 153 I'd days. I it was the start of December before my, my son's oh my. confirmation. Did yeah. It, did it feel great? Oh, it felt lighter. Yeah. yeah. Really lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're you're just reflecting so many, uh, you know, who've enjoyed uh, getting back In and the last getting there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. You know the feeling now yourself. Hey, what about Eurovision? What about it? Were you watching? No. Well, I was on, <laughs> I was in Sheel and fishing on Saturday. We had a most enjoyable day. Five lovely trout and... Uh, wasn't home till late, but I had a tape, so I stuck it on about half eleven, a quarter to twelve, and the result was only in, and I knew the result. <clears throat> I have to say, 
What do you I think was, of it? Well, I was tipping songs here last week from the yeah. semi-finals. But you see, I didn't hear the, the UK original. or Spain or Italy, the big ones who got into the final. Mm. The Italian song that won it? <clears throat> pass. Can I just say pass? Mm. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Okay. I honestly don't know what to say about it. I just think, not for me. Okay. Not for me. And I love all types of music, but Italy, not for me. But I did make one prediction you on did? this show on Friday that came through 100%, didn't uh, I? Uh. I said <laughs> the UK wouldn't get a point. I did on this show I on Friday. I couldn't believe it. <clears throat> they ne- neither got a point from the juries, nor the general public as well. Nothing. Oh. I'm not surprised. Oh, I am. I was. I didn't think any question. I'm not a bit surprised. I honestly tell you, no matter what anyone says... There's a fierce dislike across Europe and has been for years. And after Brexit, sorry, <laughs> good luck, out the door. I feel sorry for the, the the person singing for them and all that type of thing. But look, that's the way it is. I really do think, though, with Eurovision, mm. I think the public voting should be scrapped. I and think it should back just go back way. to juries. Mm. Now, they probably would have won, I think, with you. I'm not sure whether they won. I can't. Maybe they wouldn't. They weren't ahead just after juries. But I think... Uh, back to uh, jury voting. What do you think? 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show. On Eurovision, you have opinions and I love to hear them. Jerry, nice to hear from you. Jerry and Dundalk this afternoon. The Italian song was the best, Jerry. I loved it. The public voting is a brilliant idea. It changes the politics, says Jerry. On the other hand, Eddie says Switzerland won the jury vote. You can't trust the public, says Eddie. I sort of go along with that myself, to be honest with you. Pat in Navin this afternoon says it's no more a song contest. It was like a pornographic circus and it's been going on for years. Can't understand why Leslie Roy didn't get through. The song was good enough to get through. On Saturday, my vote went to Malta. They performed brilliantly and the song was great, says Pat to me today. And there are more messages there in relation to Eurovision. Another one there. Hi, Jerry. I do agree that the English are not liked abroad. But as for the UK entry, I have to say the song was terrible. And you can't sing the song you wrote better than he did. Well, nil point. Love the show as always, says Tommy. Tommy, listening to us in Italia today. You must be delighted, Tommy. Your adopted country has won Eurovision. I'm sure they're so delighted out there to win it. Anyway, more of your comments on Eurovision and more besides. 2086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me, 1850-715-958. If you'd like to call into the show this afternoon. Now today, Bob Dylan is 80 years young. Yes, he is indeed. And there are so many tributes being paid to him all all over the world. Well, did you know we have one of the biggest Bob Dylan fans in the world living here in the Northeast? I met him on late lunch some so, late lunch some time ago, and he's back on the line with me today. I'm delighted to say hello again to Ollie Clark. Hello, Ollie. How are you, Jerry? How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, eighty today, a big day for you. Big day is right. Eighty. It's great to see him getting to that age, and you know. Uh, the, the, the length of time he's been on the road is amazing to see that he's still out doing it and please God he will get back and, and be on the stage again soon, you know. Now you came to Bob Dylan or Bob Dylan to you in your brother Pat's car. Tell me the story. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was about 13 or 14 at the time and, um, you know, uh, I just happened to sit in his car one evening and he had this big track tape and I slapped it into the thing and out popped this beautiful man and the song called uh, it was Blood on the Tracks 
and the song was Tangled Up in Blue. And there I was at 14, uh, Jerry, listening to a story unfold. You know, and at 13 or 14, and you, the, the lyrics in it's pretty strong by times, you know, it's about marriage and breakup and uh, drugs and all that type of stuff. And there I was at 13 or 14, wow, what's all this about, you know? Yes. <laughs> so he, he captured me from that day on. I just, I, and, and every one of them songs on that album is just amazing. I, I actually see today there's been a list of his albums published in popularity. Now, it's an opinion, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. not a definitive. But Blood on the Track 75 is number four. Oh, yeah. Well, I would put it number one. Would you? Oh, yeah. I would. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Like, that album was written at the time Bob was really hurting at the time he was, he was beginning to break up with his wife. And most of them songs is about his marriage breakup, mm. you know, and that tangled up in blue, Jesus, the, the words, and it's so strong, you yeah, know. Yeah, so yeah. there you are. Ollie Clark says Blood on the Tracks is number one. <laughs> and it, well, listen, no better man to give it the number one spot. But it continued from there. It started there. You got engrossed. You mentioned the lyrics there as well. And you were playing guitar. And you, you, the first song you learned to play was what? Was Blowing in the Wind. Ah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the first song I ever uh actually learn to sit down and pick up the guitar and play it and, and, and the bit on the mouth organ as well so mm. yeah Blown in the Wind Blown in the Wind is such a and it's still very appropriate for today as well like you know it's such a protest song mm. uh, in, in in a sense of anti, yes. anti-war anti-killing mm. you know mm. and it's known all over the world as one of the best protest songs ever I was just thinking of it last week in the context of what was going on in Gaza yeah. between the yeah. Palestinians and Israel. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. And that song, certainly, it's timeless. It really is it's timeless, timeless and will be forevermore. When did you have the privilege or where was it that you saw him live for the first time? Well, uh, I saw him live in London in 1981. That's 40 years ago, Jerry, this year. 40 years my, ago. My, oh, my. That's scary. I'm, I'm beginning to frighten myself now to saying up with the throat. You know, it's still, and I'm still chasing him. <laughs> How many times have you seen him since? I, it's over 60 now, and I think the last time I was talking to you, I was 50, you're in around the 50. Yeah, so I, I catch him any place he's around. Like, uh, and thanks be to God, I got him in London in 2019, and then I flew back home and got him down in Kilkenny two days later. Uh, you know, so that's how dedicated I am. Oh, Ollie, you're a legend. You really are. Uh, look. I say thank God for Ryanair. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> the last time I done that was in, in 81 and we had to hitch to Dublin and get the boat across and then get a rickety bus down to London. We were four or five days on the road. <laughs> <laughs> how times have changed it's oh. just forgetting the plane and over and back it's brilliant yes brilliant. yes but uh, over 60 times you've seen yeah. him and is it true to say that you believe the man has never dipped in terms of level of performance his ability to deliver to write all that Bob Dylan is you think he even gets better do you oh, oh, oh without a word I, 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 you know the, the guy is an absolute I don't know how he does it but he, he just he, he's his mind now, like, for, it, the new album now is, is Rough and Rowdy Ways. Now, that's his first album in, in eight years, you know? Yeah. And there's a song on it. It's 18 minutes long. And it was written for um, John F. Kennedy called Mother Most Foul. And it's 18 minutes long. Now, you really have to sit and listen. It's just not a thing that you just put on and have it in the background. You've got to focus on it. Mm. It's a story. Like that, before that album, it was eight years uh, um, previous 
Tempest was an album that he brought out in 2012. And there's a song on it called Tempest. And I'm not messing. Jerry, if you do nothing else this evening, go home, put on Tempest, plug a set of headphones in and listen to it. It's the story of the sinking of the Titanic. Okay. Yeah, and you will be blown away. Okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to yes. do that on your suggestion do, this evening. Do. I and promise I tell you. anyone that's listening, go and put in Tempest and listen to the song. He, he transformed you to the ship. Mm. The sinking of the ta- and the and the ship going down and the people and you're just looking down at this tragedy unfolding. It's you'll be in tears after it. Mm. I, I was anyway. Yeah, he's a real <laughs> a real quintessential storyteller. Probably oh, yeah. one of the the greatest ever. I know you never met him, but tell them the story <laughs> of actually Dylan reacting to you. Go on, yeah, tell them where yeah. was it? Where was the it, concert? It was in the point in 2005. He was doing two gigs, the, uh, one night after the other, and of course. I was up, I'd, I'd be queuing at the door at five o'clock, even though he wouldn't be coming on the stage to late. But I was knocking above it, and I got right up to the front, which was fantastic. So right up there looking at Bob, and all the Dylan heads was there, and the next thing, oh, Dylan, come on, it was brilliant. He doesn't say a lot now, uh, Jerry, when he comes on stage. He just does his music. There's no banter with the crowd, mm. absolutely nothing. <clears throat> but he, he, it's all in his music. So anyway, uh, the gig was over. And he came back out and done his encore, which he was he do, he always only ever did one encore. And he came back out and he was with the band lined up at the front, back, taking a bow. And I just shouted up and I'm, Bobby, may you stay forever young. You know, now I didn't want him to come back out and sing the song. I was just saying, Bob, may you stay forever young. And he eyeballed me. He obviously heard me because there wasn't anyone 10 feet or 15 feet away from him. Mm. He was up on the stage. I was down the, in the front row standing up and honest to God yeah, he went off out and, went, and the crowd was beginning to leave and Jesus the next thing be Jesus came back out on the stage with the band and Forever Young was playing well, <gasps> Ali <honestly>. Ali <laughs> Ali just for you honest to God and you know what I was I was I just I was so fucking blown away yeah. I, I came home and I googled I went on the internet and there's, a, there's an internet website about it called Expecting Rain it's where all Dylan fans gather up and the right um, um, reports on the concerts and, and all the concerts and it was the last uh, gig of his European tour Ireland was and I googled all the, the, the list the set list and he hadn't played any second encore in any of his concerts or Forever Young Dublin was the only place mm. and it was amazing because I went back up the next night he was playing the next night and but he didn't do a second encore. But I didn't get up near the front. <laughs> <laughs> I got stuck in traffic, Terry. <laughs> so I was about ten back, so he couldn't hear me. <laughs> oh my, what a story that is! Now you you love him that much. I know you started a tribute called Rolling Thunder with another great fan, the late Noel King. Oh God bless him! Yeah, he yeah. passed away suddenly, didn't he? Did, he did. Uh, only fifty six years of age, and he passed away very sudden, which was a dreadful shock to his wife and kids, and to me as well, and his family. And oh, I couldn't believe it. He was a part of my life for twenty three or four years, you know. And we were gigging for over twenty two years, and we travelled all around Ireland and even abroad playing music, you know. And you know, it was his inspiration that said to me, "Jesus, Ollie, you're such a Dylan fanatic. We'd have to put a, a Bob Dylan band together, you know, and get a lot of musicians, which we did." Uh, between Relay, Brendan Levy on keyboard. I don't think Brendan could be listening in someplace doing a bit of painting. Good, man. <laughs> Get back to work, Brendan. <laughs> 
but uh, you know, and my son, and, and we had sound technicians, uh, Anto Comiskey, and a few other bees, and, and yeah. uh, like you know, it was it was a fantastic show. We used to play it in Beggies and Alvin, that pub and that. Yes, oh, geez, yes, great, great spot, great oh, spot. Oh, sure, we were down at ourselves and yeah. loved it as well. Ah, oh, the great memories, and we remember Noel today. Yeah, Noel yeah. King and yeah. Bob uh, Dylan's yeah. 80th yeah. birthday. Yeah. Now I have to go back to the music, and it started obviously yeah. with a cassette in a car yeah. uh, of your brothers. Mm. Do you have? I'm just trying to go through the genres. There's cassette. There's vinyl, there's CD, uh, there's DVD, there's online and streaming and all that type of thing. Yeah. Do you have everything? Do you have them oh, on all those? Yeah, I would. I'd have most of his albums. I'd have every album and, and CD. I love the old CDs and the, and the old vinyl yeah. was better because you had something to look at, mm. you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I have a lot of that stuff now and, and a lot of memorabilia of, of concerts that I would go to. I would always get a programme or... A poster or something that even t-shirt the first t-shirt I got was in 81 and I still have it and it's still wearable <laughs> <laughs> good on you you're the man that the environmentalists love I know it it's <laughs> They don't make clothes like that anymore. No, no, they don't keep them for that long anymore. No, no. What's your most prized Dylan possession? Oh, that shirt, would you believe? That shirt? Oh, honest God. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I know I'm nearly, I am actually 60 now in a, in a, in a couple of weeks' time. And would you believe, Jerry, it still fits me? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fantastic. Yeah, it yeah, really yeah, is yeah, the yeah, fantastic. Yeah. He's um, he's 80 today and he's still going. You yeah. expect him never to stop, don't you? He's been well, around that long. You do, and uh, I only seen reports in the paper recently that he has been uh, like he, he he hasn't been seen for a year or more because he cancelled all the gigs in twenty and twenty one as well, I believe too. He mm. might be doing something in America now later on this year, I think. But the like, I hope to God he comes back. It's called that never-ending tour. I can't wait for it to start again, to tell you the truth, because I'd be first man looking for a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's amazing how he keeps going at 80 years. That yes. can't be easy, Jerry. No, no. You know, no, no. flights and, and, mm, you know, and all mm. that. So you, you hope to see him again, oh, live? Oh, 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 yeah. That's, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I'd be afraid at that age, Jerry. you know, mm. you, you know, you just don't know what happens at that age. But he, I've seen a photograph from Reach and someone snapped it for him and he looks, he looks good. Mm. He looks good. He minds himself now, you know, compared to where he was years ago, you know. Yes. He, he takes care of himself. Mm. And, and you, you, one last thing I forgot to say to you. His association with Ireland, it, it, it's a, a lovely story. It, it's a link to Ireland through a, a famous Irish group of brothers. Oh, the Clancy's was, had a major influence on him. Oh, absolutely. Oh, back in, in the good old days of Greenwich Village, um, Dylan was a youngster, and the Clancy's was well established at that time, and, Jesus, they used to have them hounded. He used to have them hounded. Yeah. Get up and sing a couple of songs with them, you know. And, yeah, in, in the White Horse and Cafe Well and all them fine places around there. Around uh, Greenwich Village, yeah. So yeah. the Clancy's had a major. Even he said himself that um, um, Liam Clancy had the most beautiful voice ever, the best ballad singer ever. Now that was some compliment to come from mm. the great Bob himself. It was, and it does show that his affinity of Ireland is true oh, yeah. and real, and yeah, comes yeah. from all those years ago. Uh, Louise, dig out, fine girl, you are there. <laughs> no money, joking. <laughs> we keep that for another day. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, you are great. And on this day, we could think of no better person in this country to talk about Bob Dylan but yourself. I'm going to head to a break, but after the break, don't tell them. 
We have it lined up. It's right. a Dylan song and we're going to dedicate it to you and all Dylan fans and the man himself on yeah. this day. But I thank you for joining me on the show. You've made me afternoon. Thank you, Jerry. Always a pleasure. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. The wonderful Holly Clark there. Slán Gafol. And we'll be back in a moment with Dylan. Bob Dylan, forever young, on his 80th birthday today on Late Lunch. And we dedicate that to the man himself and all Dylan fans around the world today. And especially Ollie Clark. Thank you, Ollie, for a lovely interview and uh, having a, some really nice messages there uh, subsequent to her chat. Ah, oh, Jerry, what a brilliant interview. You can feel the man's passion. Yes, Ollie, he's great, isn't he? Which I share for Dylan. My favourite album is Desire, closely followed by Blood on the Tracks, which is the one that Ollie mentioned there. Desire, I see it's number 10 in that list that uh, was published uh, today. Colm O'Donoghue's been on from later and as well say he's a big Dylan fan and he has lots of his stuff as well. Loved the interview. Thanks indeed. Lovely to hear from your column this afternoon on the Eurovision. Ella says nowadays, Jerry, Eurovision contest, I couldn't agree more with a previous message you read out there. It is a bit of a circus and it's all about political correctness and uh, you could uh, notice that for sure. Um, uh, Jerry, the Eurovision has evolved so much over the years. Televoting will remain as it brings in hundreds of millions. You see the revenue end of things there. Watching it on Saturday, you definitely could see evidence of block voting. The contest is so unpredictable, says Robert. Robert, lovely to hear from you this afternoon. Keep all your comments coming to 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me to the show this afternoon. Louise, golf. Do you know much about golf? Oh, am I, am I, am I? You're learning me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. You're not I, doing a good job, but you're learning me. I love it. You know that. That was insane from my childhood as well. I say, no, no, no. You might teach me. I'll learn myself. <laughs> Very good. It's a nice one. Phil Mickelson won the second major. There are four majors in the year. You know, the, the biggies to win in golf. You know, the Masters is first, the US PGA, the US Open, and then the Open Championship in England. Well, Phil Mickelson is 51. And he oh. won the USPGA last night. Oh, Louise, it was just something else. It's Is a, that an older age oh, to win a... definitely. At 51, yeah, you're pushing. You're written off. You really are. Yes, because you go on the seniors tour at 50. You go okay. on to a seniors tour and you leave the main tour. But my God, what a shot in the arm for, you know, people of an age. Or, uh, you know, talk about ageism or that. He beat all the whippersnappers. He brushed them aside to win last night Phil and I was just so happy for him I so enjoyed it I one really of your favourites ah he's a great golfer he's left handed he's a lefty he's quite different mm. he would have won more he's in the, from the same era as Tiger Woods he Woods dominated yeah, yeah. and Mickelson he did win here or there but that was his sixth major win six he's won six now last night it's great but at his age and the place went wild for him when he won it they really did but you know the thing about it it was played at Kiowa Island in South Carolina all the ways it's a little beautiful. it's a little jut of land out into the sea it's just beautiful and the course it's there's water on it everywhere it's a real test and you know something he won it on six under par that's six under for four rounds Normally when you tune into golf in the States each week, the big tournaments, this fella is 26 under, 26 under par, 30 under. Brutal courses. They're not a challenge at all. That course was a challenge. And he, 
the cream mastered it. Ah, oh, he did. He did master it. But well done to Phil Mickelson. Uh, what a weekend of sport. Man City winning the Premier League again, third time in four years. Thanks to the Middle Eastern money. There's no other reason for it. It's the Middle Eastern money have made City. Oh, that's, you know what I mean? But uh, well done to them. Three in four years and Pep Guardiola and Aguero leading them. That was a big day of sport yesterday. It really, really was. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Next port of call for passion. It's Sweden. Solo at Home is a superb initiative by the Dread Arts Centre in Drogheda in association with LMFM Radio. It brings together a diverse range of brilliant Irish artists performing from the intimacy of their own homes. The second episode is available to watch now and features Thomas Walsh from Pugwash, Sonny Condell, Neve Parsons, Roisin Ward-Morrow and Sean Matthews. Grab a cup of tea or coffee and head over to Dread Arts Centre YouTube channel and enjoy this week's episode. More comments on the Eurovision. I gave up watching it years ago. Uh, it's not about the song anymore. It's the country they vote for, says Jean this afternoon. Uh, it's a circuses, Pat. No more a song contest. And so on they go. Now, the show today, passion running through it. My next guest is a passionate man. I met him when I was in Malmo in Sweden a few moons ago when Drahal were playing in Europe there. He's a journalist and his home is now in Malmo in Sweden. And he joins me on the line. Patrick Riley, hello again. Afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Of course, we've been tic-tacking with Patrick, especially in the last year uh, since COVID arrived on our doorsteps. Well, it's been a little while since we had a chat. I had a look. There's a story actually here in the last couple of days. It says Sweden tops EU COVID-19 rates, but deaths among the lowest. Well, come on, expand on that for us. How are things on the ground? Yeah, that's... They topped the list on that one. They didn't top the list at the Eurovision. No. Um, but yes, it, that's right. It, it was recorded as having the highest amount of corona cases in the EU, but only 12 deaths per 1 million mm. uh, po- population. And yeah, like we've said consistently throughout the past year, you know, they, they never had any lockdown here, if you could compare it to what, you know, you've experienced or in other countries you know, schools remained open, restaurants remained open. The biggest difference here is that things have, have been quieter and things are closing earlier. Mm. And uh, that, now it seems like, you know, we're, we're approaching the the end of this, but it's it's not over for anyone. Yeah, certainly not. I looked at the numbers. Again, I just quote the population. You've just over 10 million. We have about five. You're just over a million cases. We had a quarter of a million roughly. Uh, in Sweden, sadly, over 14,000 people have passed away, almost 5,000 here. So uh, quite a contrast. And you're probably a bit above our average when you work those figures across. But as you say, no real lockdown. Tell me this, I'm curious. You know here in Ireland where people have been putting up marquees for weddings. There have been big social get-togethers in, in certain places as well. You know, a bit of lawlessness. Would you encounter mm. that in Sweden? In general, people are quite law-abiding here. Uh, but because we haven't had that kind of severe lockdown, there hasn't been the urge to, to act out to that extent. They have, uh, of course, put, put measures in place with the spaces between tables. But in terms of, uh, like we saw that wedding in Ireland where there was, you know, I don't mm. know, it was 100 people or more attended it. Uh, there hasn't been any kind of outrage here with things like that. The main thing that got people's attention was the Swedish prime minister was telling everyone to stay at home. And he went for a shopping trip in his local uh, uh, 
you know, shopping mall and to, to, to buy jewelry and different things because he claimed that he'd never gone shopping online, which raised a laugh. Mm. I, I look on Friday, I heard about an instance here in Drogheda where uh, youngsters who were, you know, breaking off for the school holidays, I'd say, you know, they're probably not, or maybe they are exam students, but second level students, a massive party in a house and the guardy had to intervene in the early hours. It was just completely out of control. Uh, uh, you know, things like that. That's not happening with you. I think people, they love being outdoors here in general. And when I, I saw some pictures today in, in Dublin where they're setting up a lot of the uh, outside seating here. It's always been common to sit outside and you're typically provided with blankets and uh, heaters. That's for all 12 months of the year. So they've just kind of extended that. Mm. Uh, but if you go to sit in a restaurant, you know, you need, you need to be out by like eight o'clock and there's a lot of space between the tables. But no, we haven't had uh, that was kind of uh, incidents that, that have generated yes. a lot of yes. attention back home. You're law abiding people. That's the trouble here. There's just an element in Irish society that <laughs> are lawless. And I don't have to tell you that. And that is the tragedy of it. But anyway, uh, and I do say again, the vast majority of people here as well have, you know, uh, done their very, very best to uh uh, keep to themselves and live within the regulations in, in the last year to be fair to the majority. Look, it, 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 f- from your perspective and your family's perspective, it, when you reflect on the last 14, 15 months now at this stage, do you feel deprived? Do you feel confined? Do you feel at a loss? Well, I haven't left Sweden in you know, more than a year now. My my family haven't come over to been over here in almost two years because uh, they would come over maybe around Christmas time each year or and just, so and there's still travel restrictions in place so just before we were chatting I just wanted to check how feasible it would be for for me to actually make a trip back home and my nearest main international airport would be Copenhagen airport and there's still difficulties even traveling between Sweden and Denmark so I would have to go all the way up to Stockholm and then get a flight and there's not so many flights operating maybe one or two a week uh, between Sweden and, and Ireland compared to how it was in the past. So, of course, yeah, we do all feel a bit dif- confined. But if I could compare what other people have experienced with speaking with friends back home that, you know, they haven't been able to, they're getting ex- you know, very excited about the possibility of there being a beer garden and all those things. And when, when I tell them that I've been able to do those things for the past year, they, you know, they feel quite, you know, envious. So, that, of course, I'm grateful for the the privileges that we've had here. Mm, yes, we are. We're hoping for outdoor stuff, uh, yes, to begin now in early June. And there's talk there'll be an announcement here by Friday about July for further opening up as the vaccines uh, roll out. And they, there's talk now there could be a million people vaccinated in this country in the month of May, which is tremendous. What about Sweden? You know, you're an outlier, as you know. Well, I'm not uh, tarnishing you with the blue and yellow flag, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the country is an outlier. What about t- uptake of vaccinations? Because that's another thing, you know, are the government leaving that up to people or are they encouraging or how is that going? Yeah, no, it's, they've been quite efficient with the vaccine rollout. The plan was to have everyone have at least one shot of the vaccine by the middle of the summer. But now they push that back to maybe September. But the most vulnerable el- elderly people have all received a double dose of the vaccine. Uh, and I think it's going to be approaching the, the younger age bracket, which apparently I'm still one because I'm not 40 yet. So I'll be waiting until after the summer to be offered. A, but the vaccine t- take up has been very well uh, received. It's obviously not mandatory to take it. But if you want to travel abroad or do anything, it's it's obviously recommended. 
are you hopeful? We'll have a travel announcement as well uh, for certain countries that we can go to. Once you're vaccinated and have all the info with you, and I'm sure receiving countries will want that as well. Are you hopeful you'll get home or you'll have uh, visitors to you before the year end? Yeah, I mean, if you, people want to visit here now, they just need to produce uh, a document showing that they have, you know, they don't have the virus and then they're encouraged to go into quarantine for seven days. So, I mean, yeah, for me, it would be great to get a, have an opportunity to go home between before the end of the year. Or hopefully my family can come over before the end of the year. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's all a waiting game. Yeah. While you're on with me, it, you heard me talking about Eurovision and uh, the results, Italy winning on Saturday. And of course, yeah. you are uh, next to us here. Sweden are number two in terms of being most successful. Seven wins for Ireland, six for Sweden. Uh, much more recently, of course, the country has won it. Is it a big thing for the Swedish people? Eurovision, I mean, we, we take it as a bit of a joke in, in Ireland, but here it's super serious. Like the the actual contest to to win the, to represent Sweden is like the biggest running Saturday night show for several months in the run up to the Eurovision Song Contest so it's a huge thing and they take it very very seriously and uh, I know the Swedish entrant didn't do too well the other night but I think still better than the UK with its nil pois. Nil pois Patrick I predicted it here on Friday I'm sad to say. Uh, I loved Loreen it's one of my favourite uh, um, Eurovision songs of Great all song, time yeah. yeah, and I played it here on the show last week I was playing a few Eurovision songs uh, ABBA of course the first winners in 74 come on yeah. from the horse's mouth are they getting back together what's the story? There's lots of rumors about it. Just talk to. The, I mean, they're they're both on. They're all on good terms now because obviously it was two couples that they divorced, and you know that's all ancient history now. But apparently they have been recording material. It's more likely that they push out an album uh, of uh, you know of, of songs, new interpretations of their songs. But the prospects of them actually doing a live performance is probably pretty unlikely because they're they're no spring chickens now. Mm, interesting. If they did put a concert on sale, there would be bedlam, I'm sure, to get tickets to go to go and see. Certainly would. Yeah. Actually, I recommend if you ever come back to Sweden, visit the ABBA Museum in uh, in Stockholm. It's it's fantastic. It's uh, well worth a trip, is it? Interactive experience. You can pretend you're. On stage, belting out Waterloo. <laughs> I'd be able to get up there with my air guitar that I use a lot here in studio and nobody can see me. I know what you're saying, Patrick. I know what you're saying. On the football front, who who uh, who did what in uh, Sweden this year? Is the league still on or is it only start? You know the way the seasons are different. Yeah, what? the Swedish league is different uh, set up to how it is. The, the league doesn't actually start until like March. All right. So it's, it's a bit like in Ireland with the summer yes. soccer. So... Okay. Uh, Malmo here is uh, one of the most successful teams and Roy Hodgson, you know, the English yes. football manager, he managed Malmo for many mm. years. He managed in Sweden for many years, actually. That's where he kind of made his name. Yes. And they they named a, a section of the stadium after, it's called uh, Roy's Corner. Uh, so he, he's been a lot of articles about him remembering his managerial career. Yes. And he, so it's, a, yeah. it's, it's the standard is decent enough. This, Malmo's been in the Champions League a few times in in the last few years, and they, they famously got to the final in uh, 1979 against Nottingham Forest. Maybe yes. you remember watching that back uh, in the day. Yes, Forest beat them. Is right. Yeah, Roy retiring at the weekend from Crystal Palace. Looks like it's his last job. But yes, very much associated with Sweden. Unless we take him for the Ireland job. <laughs> 
<laughs> Watch this space. No, Stephen <laughs> has it and he'll be there and he'll get us through next time round, I promise you. Anyway, listen, good to touch base. You keep well yourself and the crew over there. Always lovely to have you uh, available to us from Malmo in Sweden. And again, we'll talk, I'm sure, down the road. Patrick. Thanks indeed, Patrick Riley. Thanks, Jerry. Bye-bye. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. Patrick Riley there, working journalist in Sweden from the northeast. Lovely guy. Really, really good guy. Anyway, gives you a feel for what's happening over there. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Kerry Gold Butter, Louise. That's all that was needed yesterday. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, uh, obviously something got to do with butter and bread or something. Spuds. Oh, yeah. The first new potatoes of the year were harvested yesterday from uh, the Kelly Garden, from the pots that myself and Ava put them into in February. We put them in in February, one to a pot, about a nine-inch pot. And roughly, we emptied them out in the greenhouse yesterday. And for each pot, 12 to 14 potatoes for one. Wow. Now, they're hen egg size. You know what I mean? They're not massive. Ah, Louise. They tasted lovely, did they? Steamed. (laughs) <laughs> and Kerry Gold. A bit of butter on the spuds, Andre. You know the ad. <laughs> and salt? No. No. Salt just, and pepper, no. Well, you could put pepper, white pepper, mm. I'd say, would be nice in them, or, or black, but just to me, and just slice them. Now, they're not floury like the later ones. They're a little soapy, you know what I mean? That type. But I always said here on the show, I like a soapy Yeah, spud. I like them too. Uh, a salad potato, but they were just... Ah, divine, divine, really, Even really Even sweeter because you grew them yourself. Oh, yeah, and you just pick them and mm. you're cooking them immediately as well. And for Ava, we were just looking back. It's, the, it's about four, she's six now. When she was two, she was in the greenhouse with me, <laughs> putting in, she was tiny, putting in a spud, but she's doing it every year since. But for a child to understand, you put in one, the mammy spud, as she calls it, and it was still there, and all the little ones that arrive. Mm. It's great education. I'd say it to anybody, you know, and it's still not too late to put a spud in a pot. Encourages them to yeah. eat vegetables as well, doesn't yes. it? Yes, eat them and grow them and give them a little touch of the green fingers as well. It's one of those days that we treasure every single year. And I was mentioning at the top of the show, I was in Sheelan on Saturday and uh, we had a grand day. We really had a lovely day's fishing and it was tough going, but Louise... The cold for this time of year. Freezing. Oh, in the name of God. Fishing is not great the country over. Uh, fly fishing when it should be at its best at this time of the year with the Mayfly. The weather's... I just described, we were going up the lake on Saturday evening and the chill was something else. And I, I, it would be like the beginning of April. You know what I mean? Rather than the latter part of May. I honestly think the weather is... It's going to get weeks. nice though, isn't it? It weekend? is going to get nice. It is. That is the degrees. positive message. Yes, the temperatures are rising and at la- and the rain. Did you ever see anything like the rain we've had? Oh, mm. mother of God, it's unbelievable. It really is. I don't know what it, it was is. was the wettest month for a long time, Wet wasn't it? and cold and everything that goes along with it. So I'm just fingers you crossed into now. You on. Yes. Oh, you want to see me? Onion. Near cast a clout to me, is out. Yes. Layers and layers and layers. And with the good gear, you're dry all right. But it's, you know, it's you'd want a little bit of heat. Normally at this time of year, you could throw a jacket off or something, you know, and it'd be nice. But not a bit of it. But this week, yes, it is on the way. Louise Walsh met Aaron, is predicting, <laughs> yes, the good weather is here and high temperatures as well coming our way, please God, as the week so. moves on. Now, was I to mention anything else until I, uh, before uh, we head to, uh, song before, uh, three, uh, yeah, the cuckoo. Oh yes, I nearly forgot. Heard the cuckoo and Sheila. Did you? Yeah, heard the cuckoo. I nearly forgot. Good job, I remembered. Yes, heard him on Sheila. I'd heard him in Sligo last week, 
but I heard him on the shores of Sheelan, which thrilled me a lot to see. He's following you. And hear a cuckoo a little bit near at home. He could be. He could be. The cuckoo follows the cuckoo, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> could I recommend a TV programme to you tonight if you're sitting in? Uh, Sky Documentaries, 9 o'clock, The United Way. Yes, if you're a Manchester United fan, I'm sure you'll be keen to tune in. It's all about Manchester United. Alex Ferguson, since he had that uh, bleed on the brain, he nearly died. He really did with it and uh, he reflects on his life and times. Eric Cantona is one of those featured and I was uh, watching Eric this morning on uh, BBC Early Morning Breakfast TV and he was fantastic. He really was. He's a real philosophical guy, but he was reflecting on his time playing for United and Ferguson and all besides. I'm sure it'll be great. That's nine o'clock tonight. Sky Documentaries, The United Way. My artists of the week are Coldplay. Yes, you knew from last Friday. And let me tell you a little bit about them. They weren't always known as Coldplay. They were first known as Pectorals and Starfish. They had those two names before Chris Martin, Johnny Buckland, Guy Berryman and Will Champion settled on the name Coldplay in 1996. And they worked away for a couple of years on different material, signed for a record label, but it wasn't until they released the single Yellow in 2000 that their phenomenal career would really take off. Later the same year, that's 2000, the millennium year, uh, they brought out the album from which Yellow was taken called Parachutes and it was received to tremendous critical acclaim, topping the UK chart and selling almost 9 million copies worldwide. Incredible. And that year, 2000, was to be a pivotal year for Coldplay as they embarked on their first tour. They headlined the first tour, which included Glastonbury. And actually, they were back there at the weekend for the online thing, which ran into a bit of bother, but that's another story. And I mean, Glastonbury 2000, and then on into 2001, they went back to studio to record album number two called A Rush of Blood to the Head, which would really nail their colours to the mast of success. In terms of singles, Coldplay have had eight number ones, 18 top tens, 24 top 40s and today I begin a week of Coldplay with their first ever number one hit from 2008 here it is yeah Viva La Vida from Coldplay this afternoon on Late Lunch my first of the week oh Jerry, you're killing me today with all these great songs I know Mina you love Coldplay uh, we've also had a message from Rose say remember Jerry, a wet and windy May fills the barns full of corn and hay that is true and it's a very true saying indeed indeed we'll have some harvest this year Paul he's not a Coldplay fan look at Paul look you know different tastes different people I understand what you're saying they're hugely popular. They really, really are. He passed away over the weekend. Barney Curley, he was 81. Best remembered in the Northeast, the summer of 1975, the horse Yellow Sam. 20 to 1 with the boogies. Bets laid all over the place. And the horse romped home. A phone box on the hill in Belliestown. Key to the coup. They won at the time £306,000 sterling today. Two million it would be worth. A man who knew him, and uh, he's his hero, uh, Chris McGill. I spoke to Chris recently about his book, The Million Dollar Irishman. Great chat we had. He's a capital market specialist, and he's back with me on Late Lunch today. Hello, Chris. Jerry, hello. How are you? I'm really good. Your hero. Tell us why. Yeah, that was a very unique set of circumstances. You know, um, 
I was, um, I lost my father when I was three and my mother when I was 12. And, and that was in March 1975. So um, it was a bad set of circumstances because what happened next is my brother, who was just turned 14, got dumped out of the CBS grammar school Noma. And I left too. So we sort of found ourselves more or less without parents and on the street. And Barney won the big coup in June 1975. So for me, this was somebody to look up to in life. So as, as it happens, by, by fact of what I've just explained, I spend most of the next number of years um, hanging out in boogie shops. And the shop, which was right next to my family's pub in Town Centre, was owned by Barney Curley. Hmm. So Yellow Sam and the shop and another shop in the town. And a pub he had in Oma called the Cheltenham Arms, which... <laughs> Ties in for obvious reasons as well. And Jerry, do you want me to put on earphones? Would that help? Or is there a bit oh, of an angle? No, unless you're feeling it. We're okay at this side. I don't know whether you want right, to try to. Go ahead, yeah. Go yeah, ahead. yeah, no, you're, you're grand there, absolutely. So, very close links. You, you knew him, of Did you know him going in and out of the place there? No, I, I knew him um, coming in and out, but of course, I was only at that stage, maybe 14, 15, yes. 14 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah. When, Barney, when Barney turned up, he got kicked out, but I knew him on the track in London. So <laughs> when I came to London, my, my, my ambition was to be Barney Curley, and, and that's absolutely real. It's written in the book, you know. And, and um, so I learned one thing very, very early on, you know, that to be a winning gambler, you had to be patient. And this was something which I had heard from other people that Barney um, professed, you see. So. From it's written in the book, and I've been I've read about it subsequently that this was part of his mantra. So when I met him in London, I used to go and meet him, and I'd go and meet him. I'd, I'd see him at the track at Ascot or Sandown or some of the local tracks around London, uh, and we'd go and say hello, and you know he would have, we'd have a quick chat about Oma and so on. He knew my parents, and um, in fact, the pub he bought in Oma, the Cheltenham Arms, he bought from my mother's first cousin. And plus, he's heavily involved in the whole show band scene, which is something that we can talk about, Jerry, as well. You know, mm. you know mm. Frankie McBride and the Polka Dots and Brian Collin, the Buckaroos and Platterman and so on and so on. So he was involved in that. Was he that scene as well? Another aspect to him? Yeah, no, he was a, the manager of, you know, the, Frankie McBride and the Polka Dots um, had five little fingers, which was, yeah. I think it was 67, that made the first ever Irish artist to get in the UK top 20. Mm. So that was that was a huge song, you know. In the, through the pub, I know all of this stuff, you know. It just it just goes on and on. All the chat with customers over the years. These guys are all heroes, you know. Frankie, Brian, Call, Artie McGlynn would have been part of that scene. Rob Strong, uh, Pio McCann, you'll remember from uh, Highland Radio. Yeah, it just died. And in, in fact, mm. Pio and and Artie and and Brian have all died within the last eighteen months. Or so. My God, and I read about him, which I never knew. He actually looked towards the priesthood to become a Jesuit in his younger life. Well, it's another factor between me and him, and and, and one other one is tuberculosis. You know, we, we shared um, we we shared the, those experiences. So my mother wanted me to be a priest and sent me off to Drummondtown one time. I think we discussed it last yes, time. Yes, yes. But, but Barney was actually uh, in the priesthood, uh, you know, um, in seminary. And uh, he got the TB and basically it was in, I think, around Loch Aaron there. And, um, you know, he was very ill. I, I did see a, a, um, a lovely documentary on him, which was by, by the Racing Channel. And, and uh, it's really fabulous. It's on, my, it's on my LinkedIn profile, if anybody wants to see that, Chris Miguel. Uh, there's a link to it. But, you know, he said that only three people survived. You know, and as it happens, I know somebody from Oma. The person won't mind me mentioning her name, Geraldine Shields. And her father was in the hospital with Barney and didn't survive. And, and what she described to me was really, really telling because she said it's like COVID today when, when people are looking in at their loved ones in, in, in care homes. 
in those days, her as a child would be looking into her father. And then one day, she wasn't looking into her father. You know, it was pretty much a killer in those days. I got it too, as it happens 20 yeah. years later. Mm, and had yeah. the same treatment, streptomycin, and spent six months in, in Belfast in the hospital in yeah, sanatorium. Another commonality between both of you. Now, the thing about him was, did he ever, you know, he talked a lot about this Yellow Sam thing. It was some sting. It really was for its day. It was brilliant concept and the way uh, they delivered it as well. But as time went by with Barney as well, he was always involved in the game and so many things, as you said. But his charity work, he did an awful lot for people, especially in Africa, didn't he? Well, I should say on the Yellow Sam thing, first of all, as you said, it was £2 million. But that is actually the single biggest, single biggest coup ever. You know, and that is 46 years ago. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it stands as, as, a, as an absolute um, trophy uh, success. Uh, on on um, direct aid for Africa, um, DAFA, there's .ie is, is, is the website. If anyone wants to have a look at that. He lost his son, uh, who was just a young man in a car crash uh, in the sort of mid-1990s, and, and, and then began to do this afterwards, a year later. And again, on that video that I referred to earlier on, which, which is on my LinkedIn profile, um, you know, he, he absolutely loved giving. You know, he, he called it giving a little back. And, um, you know, he said that, that doing this for these kids, you know, that he built a hospital, for example. He built schools. But the hospital had 125 beds and a, and a further 25 um, maternity beds. This is in Kenya. And he said that he got more satisfaction out of that than any winning bet ever. And, you know, he was very, very, a uh, man of great humility and, and um, uh, you know, charity and, and has created a, a foundation that is already set in place to continue for another 20 years, even in his absence. Oh, terrific. He was thinking ahead for, for sure. Colourful character, one of those that come along once in a while, whether you loathe them or like them, he was, he just did something else, hadn't he? He was different. Yeah, he, he he auctioned that house, <laughs> that estate house in Westmeath. Again, I remember this at the time, you know, run around the pub, you know, in the mid-1970s. And it was the talk of Omi, you know. I, I think he sold some crazy number of tickets. I mean, what, what were the figures? It was £200, Irish pounds, a ticket, and he sold 8,000 of them, you know, like sort of Massive. crazy numbers and, and, and made a huge sum of money out of that as well. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, as I said, he, he's, he certainly in his later life, and I can't speak for his earlier part, he was a huge... Um, giver to charity so um, you know and I guess with the priesthood and his veins uh, he's a believer and all of that so he's um, lived by um, the truth of, of, of that Absolutely well look it's lovely to remember him today and especially with yourself who knew so much about him check out Chris McGale as he said there there's a video there you can look at and don't forget his book it's terrific The Million Dollar Irishman available as well of course still it's great to and, catch and, up and with Jerry, you yep. and Jerry uh, that's that's um, a website, milliondollaririshman.com, but you'll see on that it's available at Eason's and, and Bookstation, but it's also, there's a fabulous four-minute audio clip there on, on that as well on the homepage. Thank Lovely. you for that. Not at all. You're very welcome. We'll keep in touch. Chris, great to talk to you again today. Take care of yourself. Thank you, Jerry. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Chris McGale speaking to me there from uh, London about the late uh, Barney Curley bringing the curtain down on your late lunch this Monday afternoon. Tomorrow, Paul Moyne as usual on Tuesday. Jennifer Doyle is with us. The burning of the Custom House 100 years ago, the anniversary. She's talking about that very interesting story. Karen Power is here, a member of the travelling community. Her education is just outstanding. She keeps progressing and progressing all the time. Looking forward to catching up with Karen and Fiona Hamill-Riley lopping her lockdown locks. Ah, yes. 
It's all coming up on your late lunch tomorrow afternoon. Eddie's here next with The Drive. Great music for the next couple of hours. Stay with us on LMFM Radio. We'll be back with a brand new edition of Late Lunch tomorrow, 1.30. See you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance, so let our van specialist Danny find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.